Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome to another hour dedicated to a fresh inquiry, exploring exactly what enlightenment means and what it might just be to be enlightened. Indeed, an hour devoted to learning something more about ourselves, an hour designed to help us integrate all of our knowledge and perhaps even challenge some of our ideas about the world we live in and the people we have become. This is an hour for the open-minded, willing to risk their foregone conclusions and perhaps discover an entirely new dimension in their thoughts and being. I'm Eldon Taylor, and this is Provocative Enlightenment. Okay, every week I read some of your letters as our way of paying respect to the very important role you have in making this show successful. Last week our guest was Guy Lyon Playfair, and our subject was the paranormal, including such things as psychic surgery, telepathy, and poltergeist phenomenon. Bottom line, poltergeist, psychic surgery, and telepathy are all very real. Guy provided several real-life investigations to substantiate his, his assertions. Indeed, Guy shared one case wherein a twin was injured, resulting in a black eye, and simultaneously the other twin manifested exactly the same black eye. Now, that's not just telepathy, for it includes action at a distance, and that begs a special definition. Mark wrote, interesting show today about how some people have successfully performed surgery with one's bare hands only. While skeptics may debunk it as a form of trickery, this kind of surgery can apparently be repeated over and over again with similar results. Skeptics should at least recognize the fact and take that a harder look at that. Well said, Mark. Merle wrote, I love provocative enlightenment. Your shows are always fresh and exciting, and you cover so many topics important to our understanding of who we are and how we fit into the fabric of the world. Thank you. Well, thank you, Merle. Being fully conscious, awake and aware, self-responsible and well-grounded while we investigate the furthest reaches of our minds and potential, this is the general area of our inquiries, and I'm glad you enjoy. Ada wrote, I would like to share something with you this morning. I have a three-year-old boy, and I send him to preschool every day. He would cry every morning when he wakes because he knows that I will be sending him to school and thereafter going to work. He will throw tantrums, refuses to take his shower and hates going to school, and does not like to interact with friends. Then I started to let him listen to your Intertalk CD, Building a Child's Self-Esteem, for about three weeks every night during his bedtime, and I am delighted to see improvements in his behavior. He has stopped crying, and it's much easier to prepare him to go to school every morning. On top of that, he has become a chatterbox. He will tell me what he did in school and also who his friends are. Thank you. Well, Ada, I love to hear stories like yours. Thanks for sharing. What do you think of that, Rev? It's fabulous. I love it. That's what it's about. That's why I work. That's why I allow you to be such a slave driver. <laughs> okay. Stephen wrote, <laughs> I'm not touching it. Stephen wrote, I have read mind programming and it is awesome. Choices and illusions is next. I recommend your material to my martial arts students and fellow police officers all the time. Thank you for all that you do. Well, thank you, Stephen, for your feedback and support. Ron from Germany wrote, after purchasing mind programming and learning so much from it, I have to say that you and your website have helped me very much. Thank you. Well, thank you, Ron, and for all of you, remember to check out the website. There are links there that will take you to hours and hours of free reading, 
newsletters, online books, motivational quotes, inspirational messages, free hypnosis sessions, and much more. While you're there, be sure to sign up for my free newsletter and download one of our free MP3 Intertalk programs. Yeah, you can download more than one, actually. Download them all if you want. Julio wrote, Thank you for your valued counterweight to the inexorable pressure of misguided consumerism that runs counter to spiritual development. You uh, have been watching a film with me recently, Rav. It's a BBC production. And although I've written about almost all of this, uh, it's taken you back. It has totally. You need to tell everyone about the the TV show. They need to get it because that is. It did. It opened up a whole different perspective. It made everything so much more real. And then you're back to asking the question. Who the so heck instead of Siggy, now you think about Eddie, huh? Eddie, who brought Siggy to, to the States? Eddie Bernays, his uh, nephew. <laughs> I see that blank look on your face. All right, Eddie, well, we'll, we'll do a whole show on that later. But <laughs> talk about consumerism. It's, uh, it's in the plan. And if you have not read Mind Program, I would really suggest you get a copy today. Vicky wrote, I so love all your radio programs. They really are enlightening. Danielle wrote, I first came across Eldon Taylor on Hay House Radio. It soon became my favorite show on the station. Eldon is open-minded, but doesn't automatically believe everything he hears. He helps us get the whole picture. Thank you, Danielle, and I'll do my best to live up to your words. All right, that's all the time we're going to take for letters, but I do invite you to opine, sending your email to eldon at eldontaylor.com or by joining me on Facebook. You can also just leave comments on my website. I do try to read all of your letters. Obviously, we can't get them all on the air, but they do impact our programming, as our regular listeners could attest to. So thank you for your support. Now to today's show. We have, quote, a living spiritual master, close quote, joining us today, or so his copy states, to discuss the essence of spirituality. According to his copy, he has chosen to incarnate at this time to realize the evolution of human consciousness. His people sent me some questions to ask, and the very first question on the list was, quote, what is enlightenment and what is its purpose, close quote. Now, as you might imagine, that definitely captured my attention. As somewhat of a doubting Thomas, who has witnessed many forms of fabrication in my career, I am honestly not sure of what to think about some of the statements that come as the gift wrapping with today's guest. But then, the proof is in the pudding, as the adage says. I have reviewed two books, either about our guest or written by him. A Modern Shaman and Beyond, by Nomi Sharon, and From the Heart, by Tony Samara. In the Shaman book, there are many common truisms, such as, quote, money does not buy self-esteem, meaning, or wisdom, close quote. There are also many admonitions, such as avoid meat at all costs. Now, we're basically vegetarians, but what are the Inuit of Alaska to do? Starve themselves and their families? Now, it's not just meat. It's also fish, poultry, eggs, and so on. Indeed, according to our guest, we want foods full of sunlight, since it's the light that we want to fill our bodies with. Now, I wonder... Did Jesus feed his followers some sort of special light fish? Well, as you are probably aware, I can have problems with absolutes, but then I do not consider myself to be a spiritual master. 
Now, from our guest's own words, as written in From the Heart, there are both some very interesting philosophies and what one might also think of as a form of nihilism, supporting the notion that rigorous intellectual inquiry could be worthless. In other words, investing time and energy, such as one might do in in a form of gestalt therapy, digging down and doing the tough work to make a significant uncovering, is simply not spiritual. Reading from our guest's book on page 182, quote, they believe that by focusing on the negative that they're doing spiritual work. It's very hard and intense now, so I'm really working hard on myself. This is something I hear frequently mentioned in many spiritual groups, and many people say, it was very intense yesterday, and I really worked hard on this. And to me, it's rather the opposite. When it is intense and difficult, and you're dealing with one side of the picture, then you're caught up. And when you're caught up, you're caught up. You're not dealing with it. You're caught up, and when you're caught up, then it's not very spiritual, because you're forgetting that spirituality means that you really have to see the big picture. That's what spirituality is. It's a sense of expansion, a sense of joy, which is expansion. A sense of, I'm here, I know that I'm limited as a human being, but I also know that my humanness is just a part of the big picture, and I see the big picture. I flow with the big picture. And so if we don't flow with the big picture, then we're actually far removed from spirituality. Close quote. All right. I've also looked at the synopsis of his newest book, Deeper Than Words, and we will be talking about all three of these books today. In Deeper Than Words, the idea of conscious sexuality, together with a lot of other ideas, is discussed, and we'll examine what our guest means by all of that as well. So let's get the man himself in here and see if we can clarify some of this, hopefully leading us to some enlightenment. Our guest is Mr. Tony Samara. He's been called the Carlos Castaneda of our time. And I trust they don't mean the scandalous side of Castaneda, who arguably made claims about his mentors that simply are not true, uh, a variety of hoaxes, uh, but leave that where it may. Tony is the author of Shaman's Wisdom, From the Heart, Different Yet the Same, and Deeper Than Words. He was born in England, grew up in Egypt and Norway, where he discovered the Zen Buddhist philosophy. His bio states, quote, Tony's function is as a spiritual teacher who encourages all to lead their lives actively in a noble way in order to realize the evolution of human consciousness, close quote. Continuing from the bio, quote, Tony is a mirror of what is possible, a shining reminder of the continuous possibilities of being human, close quote. Now, that's a big prescription to fill, so let's get the man himself in here. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment, Mr. Tony Samara. I'm happy to be speaking to you. Thank you. I understand you're in Germany today. I am in northern Germany. Uh, where it's cold. Very, very cold at the moment. It was actually snowing yesterday. Well, f- first, I try to get three criteria into each show, sir. Okay. Who is the messenger? What is the message? And how do we use it? So let's begin by having you tell us a little bit about yourself and what led you to your present path. Well, uh, that will take more than an hour, so I'll try to be brief. Um, basically, I think every human being is born with a question. And the question, you know, for me was, what is the true meaning of life? What is the real value 
of life. And the reason for the question is because I grew up in a very difficult environment. It was very changeable, and um, my family were basically um, wonderful beings, but you know, faced many interesting challenges that I feel every child benefits out of. But of course, then you begin to question, you know, what is really going on beyond the socialization, which is what led me to spirituality. Um, and I think that is quite a natural state of being, you know, to go deeper than just the mundane everyday life that is presented, what I feel is presented in the modern world today. So basically, um, I am a person like everyone else um, seeking to understand the world from a deeper perspective. And I find this deeper perspective to be quite a natural state of being that um, is forgotten as we evolve and become more civilized. And hence, as you say, the reason why I've written the book um, about shamanism, because I feel that um, primitive people, or you know, I don't mean this in a negative way, but primitive people have kept something that has been lost in modern society. So, yeah, the, who, are, who am I? Um, hopefully, um, as we speak, in the next hour, uh, this will become more obvious. Okay, cool. Indeed, you may have nullified my next question because this is, after all, provocative enlightenment. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, before we get into the specificity of your ideas, you heard the setup. Whoever writes your copy must see you literally as a savior. My question, I guess, is do you see yourself in the same light? Um, I don't see myself in any light. You know, I leave that up to people because I think, you know, if you are living in the moment and doing um, whatever is necessary to be total in that moment, then that speaks for itself. So people, of course, will always see um, a beautiful being um, in a very special light, and many people see me in a, in a special light, but also um, there are people who find me very challenging and see me in a less beautiful light. So... Um, you know, if if those words are from people that see me in a beautiful light, it must be because they've had an experience that makes that valid. That would be one argument for sure. Okay, I, I have read your interview with Souls Cole, and I see that you continue interactions with shaman and medicine men, but not in this dimension. You say that's because you don't like long-distance travel. Please fill us in. How often do you do this, and for what purpose? Well, basically, you know, in the beginning, um, I did take people to South America and to the Andes, and there were many reasons why I stopped doing that. Firstly, because I feel that in a culture that is very um, far removed from the Western one, um, it is important to preserve certain boundaries, and it's very difficult to do that when people don't understand these boundaries. So I did see a lot of disruption and an introduction of many things that we don't even understand in the West, that, that when um, primitive people are exposed to those things, create a little bit of confusion and 
there is an introduction of something that really is not so healthy for the communities that I uh, work with. So this was one of the major reasons why I stopped um, taking Western people to these wonderful exotic places um, because um, I, I care more for the preservation of a culture than you know, exploiting that culture. The other reason, the last time I did travel to South America, I had a little bit of a problem flying, and um, that was a little blood clot, which could have ended up um, much worse than it did. So, you know, I've been advised not to travel long distance. I still do sometimes, but I do um, prefer to do it in, in a different way, which I think is actually quite natural and what primitive people do and what children do. And I feel what we do as adults uh, in our sleep during dreams and um, many, in many other ways, you know, we explore the possibility of it being in a different dimension, you know, not just this physical reality that we know, but in a different dimension where many realities intermingle together and meet um, in a in a sense of consciousness that is aware of many things. And so it, it's not so difficult to do this, um, to, to travel to other spaces if the consciousness that um, is perceiving these spaces um, is able to move beyond certain barriers, the mundane ones that we're used to and that we have to actually learn to survive within. Um, so this is what I do because um, I've been doing this since a child, since I was a little child. Um, I have a very um, interesting um, background to you know, how I learned these things. It wasn't just in the shamanic communities. It was also as a child because I was very sick. So I spent a lot of time um, in bed working on many levels, not just the physical level of trying to heal my body, but also on other levels, which is what happens when you are unwell as a child. Um, and I, I learned basically how to travel in other dimensions, not just in dreams, but in this um, in this world um, where I'm aware of what goes on um, in these other dimensions. And that form of communication, as you were saying, or someone was saying on your radio show, is a form of telepathy, or um, telepathy is not really um, describing the whole scenario in a very good way, but it's similar to telepathy, where you're able to communicate beyond um, having to be in a physical space and communicate to a person or a group of people. Great. Okay, well, <clears throat> for me, you know, just come on to the, the question your people teased me with. Enlightenment seems to be a dynamic process, and it is continually unfolding to me again in new insight, wisdom, and so forth. Indeed, you know, I've stated that many of the answers we seek in life, we must literally live into. Like the main character of, say, Herman Hesse's Siddhartha, we cannot be taught enlightenment even by the enlightened. So I have to ask you, what is your definition of enlightenment and what is its function? Okay. Well, that is a question. <laughs> um, I would say what is uh, a better way of putting it across, rather than try to find the words to describe something that goes beyond words, is to say what enlightenment is not. And I find that the 
way people live today and the interaction that is obvious in the world today in, in the general sense is definitely far removed from um, the harmonious state that is more indicative of enlightenment. So for me, the way to achieve enlightenment is to let go. That is the process. And as you say, it is a dynamic one because for most people there is a lot of issues and a lot of background information that needs to be let go of to touch upon that which is truly harmonious and real. Um, and when this process begins, then there is a gradual understanding of enlightenment because we go deeper and deeper into realizing what is already there. It's not something that can actually be taught in words or shown in a sort of format of ABC. This is the way forward to be enlightened. Um, it is a process that's unique and individual, and every person will travel on that journey in, in the way that they're meant to travel. But there is, I feel, um, today especially, a way of speeding up that process, and that is to indicate to whoever is going on that journey when this process gets to what I call a circle, where you just keep going around the same issue without resolving it or without moving to a point that helps to bring you to a deeper harmony, and that harmony then indicates to you the true wisdom um, behind that circle uh, so that you can actually learn from the situation rather than become a victim to the situation or suffer from the consequences of that situation. So I feel that everyone on some level is a spiritual teacher because we all reflect back some sort of awareness of the situation. But most people get caught up in the circle. So if you are letting go of something, sometimes it's it the anger or um, a projection onto someone about some aspect of themselves or about you, then it's very difficult for most people to be neutral and to respond back in a way that is a conscious teaching to that situation. Um, usually people then begin to circle in, in, in with that situation and um, it creates dynamics of its own that are far removed from what I call enlightenment, which, you know, is a harmonious state that is the state of the universe. If we look at the way the whole universe and the whole galaxy that sustains this um, incarnation and this world, um, we see that there must be an aspect to it that is so profoundly harmonious and so profoundly deeply um, connected to everything that um, when our actions are removed from that, um, there is a sense of dualism from the natural state of being. All right. So uh, we're coming up on a hard break, and I want to pick this up after the break. But I can infer, I believe, from what you're saying, that some struggle can therefore be spiritual in its nature. Uh, but we'll pick that up when we come back. The books are From the Heart. And deeper than words, you're listening to Provocative Enlightenment. We're talking with Mr. Tony Samara. And when we come back, we'll ask him what he means by conscious sexuality. If you're not already in our chat room, now is a great time to join in on the conversation. Just go to eldentaylor.com forward slash chat. As Preventer said, we have a short video for you today of our guest. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss what's coming up after these words from some of our friends. 
Have you talked to yourself lately? What does that inner voice say? Are you constantly hearing negative feedback? Ready for a change? Inner Talk, Eldon Taylor's patented subliminal technology, can do just that. Change your inner self-talk. Turn off the negative by replacing it with positive affirmations. Inner Talk has been researched at universities such as Stanford and by governments around the world and has been proven effective at priming your self-talk. Armed with a new positive outlook, you'll find everything becomes easier. From losing weight to stop smoking, giving presentations to riding horses, learn new things to being a powerful salesperson. Choose your title for change today. Visit www.innertalk.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-T-A-L-K.com. Innertalk.com. Every day, every moment, we face choices. Yet, how many of those choices are truly our own? Are you ready to step onto the path of discovery? Read Eldon Taylor's New York Times bestseller, Choices and Illusions, now revised, updated, and expanded. Eldon combines provocative information, scientific research, and his own life's journey into a powerful message that we have the power to change. All we must do is be willing to choose to take the chance and change. Get your copy today from all bookstores. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome back. If you just joined us, we're discussing the books From the Heart and Deeper Than Words with author Tony Samara. But before we get back to today's show, I want to invite you to like our Facebook fan page for Provocative Enlightenment Radio. As a fan of the show, you will receive special announcements and incentives from time to time, as well as advance notice on show programming and comments on past shows. I would also like to invite you to join me on Facebook while you're there, and of course, you can follow me on Twitter. If you like our show, please do spread the word. We genuinely appreciate your support. All right, let's get back to the show. Before the break, I promised that we would ask Tony about conscious sexuality. However, we were kind of, you know, suspended a little bit, and, and so I want to pick up where we were uh, for just a minute. It, it, I suggested that I could imply from what you were saying, Tony, that some struggles uh, are indeed spiritually, they do represent spiritual growth. In, in other words, that person who, contrary maybe how I, what I inferred from your book and the passage I read at the setup, uh, might go through a Gestaltian uh, training where they really do some significant uncoverings, they find uh, a cause for, say, a self-sabotaging, self-destructive pattern. They're able to release that. That that indeed is a part of spiritual growth as opposed to, uh, what, an exercise in futility like calisthenics on the ceiling. Is that fair to say that interpretation is uh, correct? Yes, I would agree that um, in the uh, aspect of being a human being, um, often we will experience pain and suffering, and the natural reaction to that is struggling with the feeling or with the idea or the energy or the space that that creates. Um, but actually struggling is not 
a natural state of being. So part of the struggle is to let go of the struggle, um, but perhaps to be able to let go of the struggle, one needs to know that there is a tension there in the first place. And if you, if people live in ignorance and there is a tension, but the tension is not tangible in any way, then it's very difficult to consciously work on it. So I would say that when people see suffering as a negative, um, it, it, it's not, in my opinion, so negative because often it will create the gateway to true transformation. At least that is my experience, you know, with the pain and suffering that I felt. Um, it, it didn't actually create disharmony. It created the action where I really wanted to understand what true harmony was because I was not satisfied with the experience of disharmony that I was in in that moment. Um, so I think um, struggle is something that every spiritual seeker um, will at one point um, experience, and it should Endure. be seen as part of the spiritual journey rather than negating it. Okay, let's pursue that just a little bit so that I'm clear, okay? Uh, you talk about ego, and I want to get to that in a minute, uh, because like you, I do not believe that uh, ego is bad. I, I think it gets a bad rap, but but we'll have to qualify that one. However, if we, the minute you use ego, you've just gone down a path that involves Sigmund Freud and it involves understanding the human human nature. Research after research uh, design, ranging from some as bizarre as the Stanford Prison Experiment, uh, to stories that have, like the Lord of the Flies that have actually been studied in, in clinical labs, we see there's a dark side to the human being. The, this dark side, you can call it the reptilian brain, it's the survival mechanism, it's the evolutionary side. You can deal with it in whatever way you want to deal with it, but we exist in kind of a psychic tension between uh, the more primitive drives and, and the higher human drives. Now, Freud in his... Yeah, marvelous work, and, and and I would say that despite the fact that I disagree with him to a great extent, uh, in, in his book, uh, Civilization is Discontent, shows us repeatedly how societies at large uh, tend to shape men, uh, mankind, and uh, men and women, uh, in ways that gives rise to feeding this uh, this side that is less than spiritual. Okay, so it, it occurs to me that you're either going to be in denial about those primitive urges or you're going to have to find in your spiritual path a way to reconcile those uh, processes that are very basic to human nature. They're part of our fundamental drives, fight, flight, feeding and fornicating. Uh, how do you balance that how do, how do you see that tony from your perspective um, I, I agree that you know our society lives at this point of evolution um in the past of evolution meaning that you know we have struggled to reach this state of being you know being alive and surviving as a civilization today in this modern world but i think there is more to every human being than the, the um, drive to survive. Um, 
the drive to survive is very important. But if we forget the more, then the drive to survive just becomes a way of surviving in this material world. And we forget that there is another quality which is also expressed throughout history by some few people, such as beautiful poetry or art or creativity, that is, um, when balanced with all the other aspects of being human, um, a harmonious state of being. So there needs to be no denial of the need to survive or the need to procreate. Um, uh, rather, it needs to be balanced with everything else. And that is the middle way. It's not denying one's basic nature or glorifying one's more spiritual ideal. Um, and I feel that is spirituality in action. You know, how okay. you create spirituality in this world rather than um, be caught by either aspects of our being. Okay, I, I don't mean to be pedantic, uh, and, and I certainly don't mean to offend in any way, but I guess what I'm looking for is something a little more tangible. Um, it, it, you know, you, you in your explanation of enlightenment, you basically said you can't teach enlightenment. In the struggle uh, dealing with the human side of things, we basically heard what political scientists would call glittering generalities. You know, as I... As I directed in in the first question that I put to you, one of the things that we like in this show is how do we use this information? So I guess I'm looking for something a little more specific from you, if I may. You have a student in front of you, and the student says, you know, I'm struggling with uh, my day-to-day life. Uh, I, I like the idea of living in now. That sounds all really good. But, you know, I have to, like the squirrel, also plan for the future. I, you know, I've got children that are going to college. Uh, I have a job, and I'm not particularly happy in this job, but it's a real tough work environment. Uh, I come home. I meditate. I, I feel good during that period. But there's a sense of the day that, that I lose the spiritual connectedness. What do I do, Tony? What, what do I do? Give me the steps. Tell me how I can today improve my life, find this path to enlightenment. See, I can't do that because it's up to the person to realize the power that they have, that awareness and wisdom inside of themselves. I can pinpoint um, the fact that the person is focusing too much on the struggle and point that there is another reality that is difficult to see in that struggle. And then I can be more specific because, of course, that is um, truly important when you are caught up in the dilemma of life. And I could say, you know, what is the energy that is creating such a suffering or such a struggle? Why is your time so um, used up in the struggle when actually in any given situation we can enjoy that moment and it can be spiritual? So why seek something different from the experience that is happening now. You know, why look to meditate for 20 minutes in the afternoon when you could be meditating right now when the pain and the suffering is happening? Um, And this is, you know, where spirituality has been lost in the modern world. You know, we, we think that we need to achieve something, but actually we just need to be aware of what is going on, whether that be um, struggling with paying the mortgage or you know, taking your child to school, there is a possibility of 
expanding into that experience so that it's not limited simply to the pain. Because in every moment, and we've seen this, you know, in uh, during the Second World War, where people were um, treated in a terrible way in, in concentration camps, you know, we have a choice. Whatever the situation is, as human beings, we have a choice to go beyond the pain, but acknowledge the pain as being real, but not um, allowing that pain to contract us to believe that that is the only reality that there is. And that is a change of belief system that, of course, in quantum physics today is spoken about. You know, we, we have the choice. And well, wait I a think, minute. What do you mean? Don't, don't, you say in quantum physics is spoken about. Flesh that out. Okay. Explain it. <laughs> um, well, in quantum physics, it's understood, as far as I um, read it, um, that, you know, our belief systems create um, an influence on the experiment that is happening. And so if your life is a big experiment, if this world that you've incarnated in um, is part of that experiment and you believe something, there must be an influence in, in okay. that, uh, the result of that experiment, which is your experience. And, of course, if your experience is negative, maybe what to change is not just the outside, but to change... I, I live with physicists, Tony, and they great, would take great. great exception to that. Great exception to that. We, You know, okay. you're talking about the experimental effect, uh, the, 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 you know, the um, appearance of a photon either as a particle or uh, a waveform duality, and there, there are explanations there. But So let's leave that. Let's, let's just okay. go on. Uh, you know, for years, I've insisted that the ego gets a bad rap. Everyone nowadays uh, basically espouses uh, what, you know, in New Age spirituality uh, comes down to uh, the ego is, uh, you know, the source of all evil. It's unspiritual, uh, if there is any such thing as unspiritual as a word. I see that you, too, believe the ego is essential and that uh, the villain of all things evil is not what the ego is. Now, that said, you also see uh, the ego as a transitory state that exists more on a mundane material level. So uh, please explain that. What, what is it that you are communicating when you say, and I quote, actually the ego is essential? Well, you know, the ego is a misunderstood um, terminology because, as you say, Freud believed the ego to be one thing and other people will explain the ego in a different way. So yes. for me, the ego is an idea, a belief system that happens, you know, during childhood because you are socialized in a certain way and an actual experience that is essential to all human beings because without um, working on that aspect of oneself, it's very difficult to... Um, function in this world. So the ego in itself is neutral, but when we only see the world in a specific way that comes from those pictures that the ego has understood to be real, then that creates a certain limitation in our experience because then again we are following a certain belief system and ideas that may be relevant for specific experiences, but are, they are not relevant for every experience in life. So the ego then becomes not evil, but rather um, very limiting in itself. So we have to transform that belief system to expand beyond um, limitation. And the way to do that is to experience what is beyond 
those belief systems, and that means to be open-minded and creative and see the world um, perhaps in a different way. And often it takes a challenge um, to, to do this, and I've seen this when people leave their culture or their belief systems, whatever they may be, intellectual, um, cultural, scientific, educational, and see that people in different cultures do things differently and see the world in such a different way that um, we see that our belief systems are just that. They are belief systems. And, you know, if we're able to be free of those belief systems, I think that intelligence and wisdom um, is much more easy to access. Now, and, and I would agree with that. I mean, I think the rectification of opposites is part of what we do when we, when we, for all intent and purposes, uh, transcend ego. But doesn't that fly in the face of uh, the whole notion of Zen Buddhism, where we're going to lose identity, uh, we're going to give up everything for no thing? Not in my understanding. Um, for me, Zen Buddhism actually explains it very well, um, that, you know, there is, beyond the individual ego, there is a wisdom that we can touch upon, and I think that every child has access to that wisdom, but it's very difficult when you're in the child state to make that more concrete or more tangible in this world. So I feel that when you let go of the little ego, meaning the concept of I, or what you believe to be the truth, then you're so much more open to other potentials and other belief systems around you that you realize that the little I is insignificant. It has no real value um, beyond just being the first step to um, a deeper aspect of, of yourself. And then when you explore that deeper aspect, then you see that that depth doesn't end just there. It goes to a space that is unlimited and as a human being, I don't think we are able to encompass that unlimited consciousness simply because we are limited um, to some degree uh, in our humanity. So we have just the key to see or glimpse that wisdom, and it is what I call the light. So once you see the light, then the shadows of those limited thoughts or belief systems are still there, and they still function, but they become less relevant to your experience. You know, I, I, you know, again, by definition, the finite cannot comprehend the infinite. Your writings, for the most part, uh, it appears to me, arise from satsang practices. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, so for our audience, uh, basically that means uh, the company of a guru for the highest truth. Uh, is that correct? Um, satsang is a word that is basically that being... And present to truth, but it doesn't mean that you have to be present to a person. It just has to explain um, to people that. Well, tell, uh, tell us sorry. about the tradition and, and what it you know uh, how you use it, please. Yes, um, so for me, it is being present to your truth um, and your wisdom, and the way that I feel is very um, quick and easy is to be in a space where that is possible and that is basically being um, close to whatever allows that wisdom to speak to you. And for me, that can be a guru, 
It can be a teacher. It could be your partner. It could be your child. It could be, you know, the sunset. Um, but usually um, in the ancient tradition that um, is the Hindu tradition, you are um, with uh, a person that has glimpsed some sort of um, picture that is beyond comprehension. Um, and I feel that is important, just like learning music or learning basic psychology. You know, it's easier to learn when someone has knowledge. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think the Hindus um, have a wonderful tradition, but I don't feel it's applicable in the West because it's abused in the West because people say that they are free and they've had a glimpse of um, the truth, and who knows? Um, so I feel in the West that we need to go a little bit beyond the Hindu cultural belief system and find that wisdom inside of ourselves. And that is basically my teaching, always to come back to what speaks to you rather than listening to um, anything from the outside, whether it be the mundane world, whether it be technology, science, education, um, another person's wisdom. Um, it's very important to listen to your own wisdom. But the question then is, how do you do that You know, if you're lost? Well, how do you do it? Exactly. That brings me back to um, the, what I explained in the beginning, and that is being with someone who can really challenge um, all those limited pictures um, so that um, there is an opening or um, a, an experience of I'm more than the little ego. And I, I think that happens only um, with people who have such deep love for humanity that, um, they, that there is nothing in it for them except um, creating that space. And I only see that sometimes in a deep and loving relationship or um, in the relationship with your own children, you know, because there is such a, um, a love that goes beyond anything else. Okay, let's, we've just got a few minutes here uh, left in there. I, I've got 30 questions, and we're not going to get anywhere near them. Let me just jump around if I can and, and take advantage of the fact that you're here and get some bottom lines, okay? okay. Uh, you, I mean, right now there are all sorts of nonsense notions out there about so-called eschatological events that are attached to the expiration of the Mayan calendar. And I know you've commented on this. So what is your opinion about 2012? I, I believe that every moment is an, a miracle. Um, life itself is a miracle. And to be putting that miracle into a time frame or into certain months of the year is an interesting concept because, of course, you know, time is um, a great way to explore everything. But I, don't, I think it limits that experience. Um, we are beyond that. You know, time is an invention of the mind, and I don't feel that 2012 is very different from 2015, but um, there is something going on in the world. I feel there is a growing awareness, and that must have something to do with um, what is happening for everyone, and perhaps we can connect, connect that with the fact that you know, we are in 2012. So I don't put down the Mayan calendar, but I, I do find oversimplifications sometimes make um, the New Age um, beyond 
what is believable. Um, I feel that it's more important to honor our experience, and our experience is valid whether it's 2012 or whatever year we find ourselves to be in. But you don't see an eschatological event, the end of time. <laughs> I, I think anyone who sees the end of time then um, basically has too much information in their head because um, potential, um, as I understand it, you know, is an open book and we can create our reality no matter what um, is there written in the book beforehand because we are free um, and we have that freedom to um, each individual and humanity to change everything in such a radical way that we don't even realize it at this moment. You know, I, I wanted to ask you, like I say, so many more questions, in, including I have great issues with this notion of living in now uh, and how we how we make our choices, something you just brought up. But we're going to have to hold that for another show. In about 30 seconds, tell our audience how they can learn more about you, reach out to you, and so forth. Okay, I'll try in 30 seconds. Basically, the website www.tonysamara.org um, it has everything um, all the resources that you can access and um, I've just released the book um, Shaman's Wisdom as an e-book um, from, um, it's available on Amazon and actually reduced the cost um, down to um, around one and a half dollars I think one pound in English currency um, to make it available to everyone um, and all the other books are available on Amazon and hopefully in the future um, Hay House alright well we're out of time we've come to the end of another hour of provocative enlightenment I want to thank you all for joining us and I hope you enjoyed our show and will join us again next week same time same place remember to send your comments on the show uh, do keep me informed as the kinds of shows you like and until next time wherever you are in the world remember Believing in yourself always matters.